I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. Eight to they fool. Run through the night. Playing with your life. Alright, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red Mike Podcast. Special edition. Putting this out there for the members. Got everybody here, so this is an experiment. This might backfire brutally, but Chance, <laughs> Matt, Will, Zach, how are y'all doing? What kind of podcast doing is well. this, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Brady this, Bunch of podcasts. This, it does look like the Brady Bunch on our screen. I can see all of them. The, <laughs> this is also, we're doing this live, so if you don't catch this one, maybe you catch the next one that uh, we'll, we'll put it out a day before so uh send click on the link and you can watch us talk i don't know if that's your thing uh, <laughs> but i wanted to get this out there because it is the round table specialist season's coming up there's 21 days until football season starts and i wanted to get everybody's predictions it's been all over the board and i'll be honest bef- I re- we're still waiting on matt to figure out how to email me his piece but everybody else got theirs in and when i read it i was like man this is an optimistic bunch i need a i need a pessimist in here so i asked james i said james give me your give me your prediction and so i got james's pessimistic view in there as well i didn't know chance was going to drop his record on us so chance what do you have the pack going uh preface that i'm going to get so much hate for this I've got State going seven five overall yeah. and four and four in the ACC. Matt Coe, what do you got? Um, I know my email is messing up. I deeply apologize, to everybody. Uh, but I've got us nine and three. Nine and three. Will, what do you got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins. Evan, Zach, what do you got? Ten and two. Ten and two. I got ten and two as well. Ten and, I got ten ten and oh two. Oh my well. god, we're drunk. I know. So that's, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Is it is it acceptable to drink? You can do whatever you want. This this happens every time. All right, cool. So uh, we got to get to the elephant in the room. Chance seven and five. Well, why are you so pessimistic about this team? Okay, first of all, I do think, I know Doran has said this a thousand times, people in the administration have said this, that the schedule is tough, and I do agree, the schedule is tough. Road game against an SEC team, gotta play Clemson, Miami is the crossover, is hard, Florida State's a tough road trip, Boston College is a tough road trip, Wake is a tough road trip, and then that's not even including Carolina at home. I. I just still have a lot of questions about Leary's health. Evan, I know you shared a video the other day. Leary kind of looked a little rusty. He was missing some guys high. I do have questions about the offensive line depth. I do have question about questions about keeping people healthy. We didn't do it in 2019. We didn't do it in 2020. Should I really expect that we do it in 2021? I I said I've got us going 7-5. and five. I very much think that is a basement record i think that's a worst case scenario record but i I think just a lot of things are going to go wrong that people don't quite see i think the mississippi state game to start the year is going to be too big of a moment too big of a too big of an atmosphere the first real big opponent of the year being a road trip that early in the season i'm worried about it and i think that could really set a negative tone for the the next 10 weeks zach how do you feel about that Pure blasphemy, <laughs> pure poppy, pure poppycock. 
We're going 10 and 2. We're beating Clemson. We're beating Mississippi State. We're losing on the road at BC. And we're losing the following week at Miami. Then we're going to turn it right back on and we're going to smoke UNC to end the year. I'm just telling you. I mean, this is going to happen. You might as well just write it down, print it out, whatever the hell you want to do it. But that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, 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 I understand where Chance is coming from. My question marks are um, I have zero question marks about Devin Leary. Um, he's the second coming of Sam Howe. Um, <laughs> first of all, please don't. Please don't. And, uh, oh, my God. Yeah. No, my, my question marks on the offense are uh, offensive line. Um, and then on defense, um, something that always gets us early in the year is tackling. Um, you know, can, can we tackle? Um, and I know it's kind of like a fundamental aspect of, of the game. Um, but, you know, Make, making making the plays that you should make and occasionally making the plays that you shouldn't. Um, you know, there's always a game where, where we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot and something happens. I think that does happen at Boston College this year. Um, you know, I think we go into that game undefeated, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm going to ride that until we're not. I'm going to stay optimistic until there's reason not to be. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I really think uh, I think this is the year we get Clemson. I think we uh, we get Mississippi State on the road. You know, I think we get them early too, um, and then we come come back and open up ACC ACC play with a with a win over Clemson. <laughs> That's right. There we go. I like that. All like right, Matt Co. Nine and three. So, Where are your yeah, three? Yeah. So uh, nine and three. I originally had it eight and four, but I bumped it up to nine and three. Um, there's three games I feel like the majority of Wolfpack Nation can agree on, and that's going to be the three games of South Florida, Clemson, and Louisiana Tech. If you ask about nine out of every ten state fans, they'll pencil us two and one if if you want to be less optimistic and um, a little bit more honest, I guess, um, because Clemson's a juggernaut. But after that, I think that after that bye week is going to be a toss-up of games. The first five games um, after that bye week – is uh, four out of those five games are going to be away. That includes Boston College away, Miami away. We get Louisville at home, and then we go Florida State and Wake Forest, both at their place. I'm looking at that Boston College-Miami game. I think that, obviously, it's the middle of the season. You're going to know what team you have by then. And coming off a bye, there's a lot of hype around uh, Jerkovic, uh, Miami, Derek King. He could have a Heisman type of season if Miami can pull out some uh, 10 or 11-win season. I don't think we lose both of those games because if that happens, then yeah, we're probably going to be trending towards seven and five. That probably means that we're not a good team here in that uh, point of the season. Uh, but Boston College, Miami, I think is going to go uh, a complete split. It's going to be one and one. And then from that next four games, I think those are all winnable games. And then obviously Carolina, I think we do beat Carolina this season. I think we match up well against them. I think Carolina loses way too much on their offense. And I don't think that Sam Howell is as great of a pocket passing quarterback going through the window, a tight window as everybody thinks he is. He is a deep ball threat 100%, but he just lost too much on that offense. I think we bounce back in a great way. And I'm seeing all these articles saying that NC State's underrated, but how many all ACC players, how many people have us right there at the top 25? I don't think that we're underrated. I just think that we're good and we're slept on. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just reading the chat. <laughs> Chip says we never tackled well under Dave. <laughs> not a, not, <laughs> I don't think that's just a Dave problem, as Q pointed out. 
T.O.B.'s. <laughs> we've struggled under T.O.B. as well, but I think we've been better as of late. What you got, Chance? I, w- I will say, I do think Fagan and Pitts will help out defensively tackling, at least on the back end. I am excited to see what they'll add from a defensive standpoint. I mean, I think Fagan led Florida State in tackles when we played them uh, this past year, so I, I do think they'll contribute a lot of tackles on the defensive end that could kind of mask some of those issues. That's a good point. Will, what you got? 10-2. and two. Where are we struggling? I mean, I'll tell you, I think anyone guessing at what games we're going to struggle with, you know, you, you can't really. So I'm not going to guess my our two losses. I think it's fair to just put them somewhere on the schedule. I mean, what it comes down to for me is I think this team is deeper and more talented than the 2017 team. And when I go back and look at the 2017 schedule, I don't see how this schedule is any more difficult than facing a good South Carolina team that also had some injury problems in Charlotte. I don't see how playing, you know, a playoff-bound Clemson in 2017 is any different than Clemson this year. Going on the road to play uh, a Notre Dame team that was, I think, almost in the playoff, if I remember correctly. In 2017, I don't see how that's any different than going on the road and playing Miami, and I don't know how playing Lamar Jackson and Louisville at home is any different than playing Sam Howell at home this year. So, to me, this schedule is not any tougher than any other year. I think anyone trying to formulate or speculate that, you know, Wake or BC are going to be significantly harder this year than any other year, I don't buy it. Um, I think there are, I think they have just as many issues as they've done had in previous years. So, from my perspective, it's easy to see how a healthy team with more talent and more depth than we've ever had over, under Dave Doran can at least get to nine wins in the regular season. And in my opinion, I think they're going to jump over a lot of the hurdles we've seen in the past, and we're going to win ten wins. So that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, I went with ten and two as well, and my, you know my thought process was similar. I don't know which games you know that we're going to struggle in. But I think Chance had said this at some point previously in the chat that there's five. This game, this team comes down to five games: Florida State, Miami, Carolina, BC, Wake. I think that's that's correct. And Mississippi. And State. I think that's right. Yeah, Mississippi State. That might have been what it was. Yeah, BC, Wake, Miami, FSU, Mississippi State. Yeah, so that's what it is. And, and I agree. I think that's kind of where I am. I don't know how we'll perform. My optimistic view on this team is that they've got all the pieces that they need. It is not – there's no real glaring holes that we've had before. And I think, you know, if you look back to some of the old, the other teams in 2017, 2018, and we've talked about this before, they, they had some really good pieces, and then they had some, like, what the hell is the recruiting doing depth chart positions, right? And we don't have any of those now. So I'm – optimistic that everything is going to be improved and I think maybe I don't know maybe last year the performance last year after not having any install time and having Bailey Hockman as your quarterback gives makes me optimistic right because I Devin Leary is a huge step up from Bailey Hockman we've had a year to install this you know this offense and I don't know, man. I kind of feel like everybody is – there's no real glaring weaknesses here. And I expect us to have one of those games where 
you know, we, it's kind of a, a what the fuck game, right? We have them all the time. Mm-hmm. It's usually at Wake or at BC or one of those things or, you know, the blown coverage against Miami, something where, you know, we had, we played better, we had the better team, but we just didn't win, right? I think that's a possibility that one of those, one of those games happens. Does it happen and then, you know, like Zach said, would happen at BC and then you lose to Miami the following week? I don't know. Like this team, to me, feels more mature, feels better. That this might not, one might not lead to the other. So this, all these things that we've seen before, where you know the NC State would show. I think we have a lot of positives, kind of that outweigh that 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 negativity that would come from what we see in the past. And I think that's that's where my optimism lies. And I am with you, Chance, a little bit on the Devin Leary. I don't, I don't think his injury was one that is going to make him like rusty, so to speak. Like Mackenzie Milton, is, he's been out for a long time. Right, Leary was out for a while. I think the rust is going to come from not just not getting any live reps. Right, not not getting not being in those games and not having practices. And we're still early in fall camp, so you know I expect that to progress, and he'll shake that. He'll work that out. But I, I agree. those Some of those early throws I didn't think were great, but it's, you know, we're looking at a six-minute video that is clipped together, so it's hard to to make that, uh, you know, that judgment on there. Well, one of, the, one of the other points that he brought up was the offensive line depth. How, how do you feel about that right now? feel good as long as everyone's healthy um you know i think there's elite well i think there's at least three nfl linemen for this year's class coming out of this with uh, zavala gibson and icky um we have a recent member or a new member or unexpected member to the freak list by bruce feldman in uh mcmahon <laughs> which i was not expecting to be honest um but that gives you just some more upside there so I think if they get the right tackle situation solved, um, I think you can be comfortable with the left, or basically four of the five spots, really. Um, I'm surprised more people are downplaying Zavala at this point. I think it's probably only a matter of a week or so before he supplants people. Um, So... If he doesn't, maybe that's a good sign because, I mean, it's not very often that you guys have you have an NFL-bound player being uh, questioned for starting. So, yeah, I'm comfortable there. They just got to stay healthy and they got to keep improving. You know, I, I like seeing the interviews with Icky where he's saying that he's been really focusing on pass protection and just the little details. It's not the big details anymore. It's just the little details. So, you know, in and, and almost every interview you see from either the line or on defense or wherever – it's everyone echoing kind of the same thing. We're working on small things. We're we're not seeing mistakes from the starters. If we see mistakes, they're easy to clean up. So, you know, I'm I'm very confident going into the season. I would just say counterpoint to what you were just saying about Leary though, is he looked fine when he came in for Virginia Tech and Pitt right. after mm-hmm. weeks mm-hmm. and months off because of the COVID protocols. So I think he can quickly shake off the rust. I didn't see the rust you were speaking of in the videos that I was looking at today. I saw like one throw that was a little high to Chris Scott Jr., which was obviously not, <laughs> not Chris Scott that, Jr.'s Chris. fault. He did. He caught it. Okay. But I'm not going to blame Chris Scott for that. that. I mean, that was a bad throw by Leary. But, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm not worried that about that. If there was worries, like you'd hear more chatter, right? I mean, the, the conversation coming out of yeah. camp is basically it's his job. The other guys are just kind of fighting for second. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not terribly worried because I think he is that much more talented than what we've had in the recent history. Uh, Chip said in the chat, a wise man once said, a "Team is as good as its third string O line," and <laughs> you know that's proven true in the past for NC State as. We've had injury issues and not had that depth there. I think this year they do have some of that depth, maybe a bit unproven. We don't know what you get from Zavala. I mean, I, I know the scouting report on him. You know, is Spee's going to hold down the right tackle spot? You know, who? Sean Hill was the one that somebody else was talking about. Uh, the guy that, you know, maybe one we're not talking about as an impact player. They, there's enough guys there that I think they'll be okay. You know, Tyrone Riley, will he be able to stay upright? Will he be able to stay healthy? You know, I, I don't count on it, but at least he'll give you some. He should give you some some snaps and, you know, some games. Chance checking your head there. No faith? Uh, no. Look, I actually, I like Riley. I am concerned about him staying healthy. And I like Zavala, to Will's point. I think he has a ton of potential, but let's also be real going from Fairmont State to playing an SEC defensive line in week two is quite the transition. And I know he's got all the intangibles. I know he's a good size. I know he has good film. But we haven't seen him against a Mississippi State. We haven't seen him against a defensive line like Clemson, who's going to be one of the best in the country with guys like Brian Brees. Like, we haven't seen guys – we haven't seen him line up against guys like that. And it, it does concern me. It really does. I I think there is something to be excited about with Savala, but I am not pressing the gas quite yet on him being this, you know, all ACC lineman or like this surefire draft pick. I think we definitely kind of need to see that and analyze it. And I think we'll know fast. I think we'll know by the Mississippi State game if he's going to be a legit ACC level offensive lineman. I just want to say, just a reminder, if Fairmont plays football last year, Zavala's in the NFL right now. So I'm not worried about him holding up against one or two defensive linemen every play. I think he's going to be perfectly fine. Do we know how he ended up at Fairmont? Who knows? Who cares? I'm excited about him, but there's a reason that he goes to Fairmont State. Yes, actually. NC State out of, out of high school. The, the, so the reason was is he was injured going into his or early in his senior year or it was in his junior year. I remember there was a profile. I, I can't remember if it was a David Thompson one or not, but it was talking about how his dad had one um, uh, chopped on the uh, Food Network or whatever. Yeah. And um, – his high school coach had said that he got derailed by a bad injury early hmm. in his last year, and that severely affected his recruiting. So that's how he ended up at Fairmont. And then, um, you know, then we just got lucky because of COVID that he was, uh, you know, still available. So I guess, I mean, I'm, that's just my point. It's just that if you are getting those vibes coming out of a D2 program, then I just don't really think it's that big of a jump to go to the ACC and like, yeah, Clemson's going to have some really good talent on defensive line. Uh, Miami may as well, but I mean, at some point, like he's a big ass man. He's clearly (laughs) strong. I'm really not worried about him getting into a shoving contest. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe you could say the question could be like, how does he pull? What's his you know, what's his agility? Whatever. Um, but I would just say like, state's not bringing in a guy like him if they don't think he's going to start. Um, but you know, we'll see. We could be surprised with Eason or someone like that. So is it a universal among the round table here that the offensive line is the biggest group question mark? Yes. Everybody shaking their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Are there, is there a, a group that is second in your mind? As always, defensive back. Defensive back? Oh, Every yeah, year. You beat me to it. Every year. <laughs> yeah, as always. Defensive. I mean, we have we have depth there. And we've got, in my opinion, we have quality, experienced depth there. But there's a difference between that, you know, between what we saw last year and then carrying it over to this year and, and replicating that. I mean, you know, somebody is going to get hurt. Somebody's going to tear an ACL. Somebody's going to sprain an ankle. Somebody's going to be out. How do we step up? You know, we, we've heard through various sources and whatnot, you know, oh, there's not much fall off there between the first string and the second string. And what, two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was, we were down to like our eighth, ninth, and tenth defensive backs. Right. You know, okay, well, based on what everybody's saying now, eight, nine, and ten ought to be as good as two, three, and four, you know, because of the quality depth that we have. And so, I, and, I mean, you can't argue that. You know, last year I go back to like the Liberty game when you had, uh, who was it, like Aiden White, the walk-on, picking off passes. I mean, looking good in coverage, you know. And and to me, you know, that's a that's a huge step. And so, yeah, followed by from, from you know, my concerns would definitely be one offensive line, two defensive backfield. Yeah, I, that's why the Boston College game kind of scares me a little bit. I know some of us in the chat are in, including myself, in on Djurkovic. Um, some people aren't, and that's fine. But I think because our passing attack is – uh, not the best um, in terms of coverage. I think that we're going to make him look that much better than he really is. Now, I still think he's a really quality quarterback, um, but he's going to sling it, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got the talent. BC's got a lot of hype around them. Um, they're looking at that game. You know, we go into Wake all the time, and, and it's always sketchy. I, I think we split that game as well. Um, I, I can't see us losing both of those. But I feel like that could be the two games that really, uh, really gets us in terms of um, passing yards and, and giving up a, a crap load. I think the biggest thing for Boston College is disrupting the pocket. That's a really good offensive line they've got. And if we can disrupt Jerkovich back there in the pocket, I actually think we'll be okay. I've got us winning in Chestnut Hill. Um, but, you know, that's always a toss-up. It's going to be a dead atmosphere. That screams 12 o'clock ACC Network game that we sleepwalk through. The final score is going to be like 17 to 13. It's going to be awful. We might win, and it's still going to be awful. But I just – that's <laughs> the key to that game is disrupting is disrupting the pocket and uh, making Djurkovic uncomfortable. I wonder – You know, I go back to – go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say along those lines, I wonder how much last year playing in front of nobody is going to – help in that situation right are they gonna be able to channel that experience and stay motivated who who was it tj graham i believe it said it was like yes people sleeping in the stands and you know it was you know people sleeping on the sidelines <laughs> it was like just i forgot what his quote was but it was an embarrassment but i wonder if last year has any impact on you know how they are able to handle that I actually basically said it was so dead it's hard to get up for, you know, you can't just, you just can't motivate yourself is what he had said. 
Eben, but, but see, uh, like, okay, so so I sit here and I think about it like this. This is you, you think about all the pieces the state has. One of you guys was hitting on it earlier, but not just pieces, but senior pieces, experienced pieces. You think Tanner Engel isn't gonna let these let the, let our defense get jacked, no matter who they're playing? I mean, yeah. he, he'll target his own damn team for all he cares, <laughs> you know. And then you know you got Peyton Wilson on D, he and Drake. And then on the on, on offense, you know, I think you're going to have Ricky and and you know Emezi jacking guys up, you know, if, if they're not into the game. We, in my opinion, we have good senior leadership in positions on the field where we need good senior leadership. People that you know, the young guys when they go into a, maybe an environment that they're, you know, it's not getting them jacked up, or maybe on the flip side of that, it's just tearing them up. You know, like um, if we were to go to Clemson this year, or you know, just or when we go to Mississippi State, for example, you know, the senior guys are going to be the ones say, all right, just you know, play our game, do our thing. And so, you know, I, I can kind of see both sides of that, but it's it's a really important year for I think for senior leadership to be able to you know to to help help the young guys acclimate in those situations. I love that you said that because I completely agree. Looking back at these uh, the schedule, I went and basically said just on paper who has the better roster, and and this wasn't my entire thought process when I picked who would win, who would lose, but I believe that nine out of the twelve games that we play. Um, I think that we have a better roster than nine other teams on this on this um, schedule. Now that doesn't mean that the three teams that I think we have a lesser roster to we lose to necessarily. But like you said, that senior leadership is going to carry over into some of the young guys. Guys like um, Bam, who's who's yeah, not a senior, but I, I think he he blows up. I've been a fan of his since his freshman year. I really like what he brings to the table. One thing I feel like is the big elephant in the room is Devin Leary's health and how bad that screwed us over because we know how good of a quarterback he is and how he can be a top five, top three quarterback. He just has to, uh, has to stay healthy. But let's not act like there aren't quality quarterbacks behind him. You know, if Ben Finley can play just as good as he did for that little bit of time there at Carolina, I, I mean, he showed me enough to at least believe in him as a backup. And, you know, if, if McLaughlin or McLaughlin, however you say his last name, if he's as good as advertised, then I'm not worried at all. Obviously, he's going to have his bumps and, and his freshman bumps and maybe even his sophomore bumps. Who knows? But if he's as good as advertised, I'm not concerned. Obviously, we're a better team with Leary on the, on the field. But if he were to go down, I don't want people to lose faith because I'm looking at that Mississippi State game and – I would hate for us to lose that game and then fans say, you know, we can't win the big games. Dave Dorian needs to go. We can't win the big games. Yada, yada, yada. You guys hear it all the time. Uh, but I don't want people to just give up on the season if that be the case. I still think the issue with Leary is sample size. And I'm a big Devin Leary guy. I mean, he played well in the Duke game before he got hurt, played well in the Virginia game, obviously played really, really well in the Pittsburgh game. But I am concerned about sample size. Finley looked decent in that half against Carolina, but at the end of the day, I'm not trying to read too much into that. I, I still think that I think part of the reason he looked so good was because Carolina had no idea what to expect with him. I mean, he was 18 years old. He had never yeah. played a down of college football before. I don't think you can discredit Carolina's defense for not knowing what to expect when he came in. Obviously, flipping the playbook, Hopman being left-handed versus uh, 
versus Ben being right-handed. I am worried about that. I think McLaughlin is good. I know he didn't look particularly great during the spring game. I think he will be good and will spend uh, some quality years as the starter at State eventually. And then going back to the attendance thing about like the the nobody crowds at Boston College or small crowds at Wake or wherever, going back to last year, I still think last year is going to be forgotten about pretty quick from an attendance standpoint and dead atmospheres. I mean, State's first three of their first four games, I think, are going to be absolute electric atmospheres. The South Florida game on Thursday night to open the season with the first full Carter Finley in two years is going to be electric. Mississippi State in Starkville is going to be electric. Clemson at home will obviously be electric. And even Furman, I mean, that's still going to be a 7.30 kickoff. That's going to be a night game. People are going to be riled up. I just think that whole mentality of, oh, we're used to playing in front of nobody because we did it last year, is going to be forgotten pretty quick. And once you go from those atmospheres to then transitioning to a 12 o'clock kickoff in Chestnut Hill where there's 18,000 people there in a 40,000-person stadium, I, I, you know, I don't think people are going to be you know, locking in to, oh, well, we did this last year. We can do it this year. I think you're going to be did I? zoned in and zoned in to those bigger crowds. Didn't mean to cut you off, but did, did, I think I read something that the first three games are seven o'clock. Yeah, for once, yeah. it's yeah, funny okay. how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, John so Swafford is no longer the commissioner. Stop getting it. Yeah. Right, yeah, and then we finally get a decent time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. building off a chance. You know, people are finally able somewhat to go back to normal and live their life. So I feel like people are going to go to the games regardless, even if they are bad. It's just a chance to get out of the house or just be around people. Uh, so, I mean, I got to agree with you, Chance. It's, it's going to be a wild crowd. Um, I'm excited for Carter Finley. I've never been to a, a state football game. I'm hoping this is the year. Oh, we'll make that happen. I, what? I wanna... yeah, that is <laughs> oh, man. He said little, that in the little chat hidden secret. Week, I believe it. That is unreal. Little hidden secret about me. Man. You're just dropping <laughs> bombs on the podcast. I just, I never have time, you know. I just okay, I never okay, have time. So this, this is the season. Right, Matt, Matt, right goes, Matt goes to the table. gym too much. He doesn't have time. Just right here in the victory, just right. I mean, excuse me, right here in this round table, we've got Matt never gone to a football game, and old Big Willie over here never been to a baseball game. I mean, we we, we got to do something. I mean, look, I'm not gonna lie. I technically I've been to an NC State baseball game, but I mean, <laughs> not with chance, and so apparently it just doesn't matter. All right, so let's what's let's put it on record on the air. What's the bet? You guys have a bet going on. What is what's the bet, Chance? Well, apparently I was so drunk I don't even really remember making so it. So we'll, we'll watch the first state baseball game he's ever watched in his life in Game 3 of the Super Regional at Arkansas. And when after we potted, we made a bet that if State won 10 games this year, he would have to attend a baseball game with me. And I don't know what he had been drinking that night that made him make such a horrid decision. <laughs> But if State wins 10 games, then Will has to go to a baseball game with me, which I'm beyond excited for. I'm trying to – I hope I can go up to Virginia Man and spend the weekend at his house and we can do a road trip to Charlottesville or Blacksburg. That would be some real fun. But uh, I doubt – he told me before we went live that I was his sworn enemy. Um, So I doubt that. He keeps coming for me in the chat room, so I gotta keep it up. I can't believe for a second. Hold on, let me step back. I can't believe you guys don't think when top two, top fifteen teams in BC and NC State play each other, it's not gonna be a seven o'clock game. Hey, in my prediction, I told I told Evan, I said uh, we're gonna go into BC ranked out number ten, 
and and I think uh, you know maybe this is the year some changes, but I think that's going to be our you know WTF game right there. It's it's hard <laughs> but, to go uh, into Boston College ranked number ten when you've already lost games to Mississippi State and Clemson. Unbelievable! Oh, wow, oh, wow! Oh, you don't want to come up here, man. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. Dropping bombs. laughs> Watch, all right, watch. Look, we're we're all roasting chance. South Florida is going to hang fifty on us in the first game. We're going to be like, damn it. <laughs> no, let's not. Let we'll like, have a coaching go. search. <laughs> Lots of September third. Yeah, September third. <laughs> all right, I, I need to I need to address this topic because it's come up a couple times in the chat. Dave's in game coaching. Now, <laughs> let me put this out there. Y'all tell me if I'm wrong or not. I think. A lot of that is overblown, and it comes down to his staff. I think in the past, his staffs have been pretty much terrible, and they've not had the universal experience across the board that this this staff does. So while previously that would have been a concern for me and a question mark, this is clearly his best staff. They have the most experience. I'm pretty confident that the in-game head-scratching moves that always get attributed to the coach, the head coach, are going to be minimal as compared to years past. Anybody disagree? I think that's right, Evan. I think he's learning from his mistakes. I mean, i got to give him kudos there. That two-coach offense that he tried to do was so stupid from the get-go, and he realized that after one year and – Went out, got Tim Beck. He's learning, and so I, I got to appreciate that from him. So, like, yeah. I I think, like, going back – I mean, it's like a head-scratching moment for me was, like, when we tried to throw uh, Icky a two-point conversion against Liberty. You know, that's where I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, that's literally – I'm watching this game, and I'm like, what in the hell are we – just give it to Bam and let him, you know, go. Zach, and, it worked uh, every time in practice. Yeah, I know. And so, like <laughs> – but, see, here's the thing. So – when it works, when it works in a game, you look like a genius. When it doesn't, you look like a fool, and you, and that's where the head scratching comes in. But you know, I think part of that in Beck's offense is a good thing. Um, you know, yeah. Thayer's thrown more touchdowns, threw as many touchdowns last, or two years ago as Hockman did, whatever. You know, and so when it when again when it works, you look like a genius. And um, I think some of that is necessary, as long as it's not you know costing us in a critical moment not costing us a game you 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 run certain plays to set up different plays but you know if you're pushing a drive down the field with two minutes on the clock and you're down five or something and you you know running something like that i think that's a question mark unless you know actually unless it works out i will say this from a coordinator standpoint there are three games that i think could be flipped even if you flip one or, or two of them on my list from a playing zone versus playing man. If Gibson can just kind of swallow his pride and play zone in the Mississippi State games, the Miami games, and the Carolina games, I think that's going to prevent some big plays and force quarterbacks to throw into some tight windows. I think that would do a better job of giving State a chance to win all of those games. I know the Miami game is the big one that we talk about, just giving up too many big plays, not willing to go away from press man. I just I'm scared that that's what they're going to try and force in those three games, and they're going to give up one too many big plays, and that's what's going to ruin uh, the Mississippi State, Miami, and Carolina games. For <laughs> but I think if they do play zone, I think or, or play more zone, I think you can get 
a win or two out of those. You probably won't win all three, in my opinion, but I think you can get to two and one in those three games. I think nice. for me, what I want to see from Gibson is I, 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 what I liked about him is also what I didn't like about him. You know, that Miami, the blitz in the Miami game, everybody, everybody knows, right? That's the easiest one to point out. But I like that his defenses are aggressive. I think that benefits us this year because the law of averages says we should catch some of those interceptions. They should have more than they did last year, right? I mean, I think that that to me is what I what I want to see from that defense. But I, I agree there's a couple games where we need to go back to the old hucks, sit back and keep them in front of us and you know play that more controlled defense. They do. I think Mississippi State is is a perfect example. You got to sit back and play zone on Mississippi State, and you can't let them, you know, run and twist you up when they're running the, those mesh routes. Will you look confused? Uh-huh. No, I was trying to book a tea time while we were talking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, actually, it's funny. I, I mean, I think. If Gibson can kind of dial it up at the right time, I'm not too worried. I also think sometimes, you know, last year, actually for the last, like, two years, really, we've still been a defense that's had a lot of holes just in talent and and just depth in general. Um, you know, yeah, you, people focus on Aleem and Joseph last year, but, like, I couldn't have even told you who was the third defensive end half the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Dolphins. this is... It was, yeah, it was, right? So, I think this is a bit, I don't know. I'd like to see what Gibson does with kind of like a full deck. You know, the first year, Hux is still there, impacting the play calling. Second year, he's still got gaps, and he had a lot of problems in the secondary with injuries. There's a lot more depth there. People talk about Savvy and Jackson, so it's like, you know, the line, the defensive line feels like it's settled. You got Corey Durden, you got everyone coming back. I'm not worried there. The linebacker core, I'm not going to worry about. There's five guys, basically, that could play there out of three. Um, you know, so will his play calling be different? Is everyone going to know their assignments? Like, he even said, like, after, like, the VT game last year that he, like, gave them too much to think about um, coming out of the weight game. So maybe he was a little overly confident. Um, so I think probably the one thing I'd like to just see from him, though, is just it's okay if it's third and long. You don't always have to blitz. Like, don't be predictable. Um you know, so we'll see. But, I mean, this staff is better. I, w- I was going through the 2017 staff today. I was just, like, just kind of taking a look back at that team, that roster, that schedule. Um, and I would definitely think that this pretty much every every person on the staff right now is an upgrade over the 2017 group. Um, yeah. I just think this is his best team, his best staff. It's time to have expectations. It's time to not be satisfied with seven wins when you're healthy. I don't care. The schedule is not that, you know. <laughs> amen, amen. And I just, I, I always feel like this every year. It's like everyone wants to talk about schedule before the season, and then after the season, it's like, oh, the schedule, oh, it was such an easy schedule, or it wasn't whatever. You know, is BC scary if Jerkovic gets injured like he did last year? What about Wake? You know, like, I'm, I can't be worried about this stuff right now. I'm right. happy that we get Clemson <clears throat> early. I'm glad we get Mississippi State early. We got a shared opponent, so they'll be paying attention to that the week before. So, I don't know, man. I, I just think it really sets up actually for a great year for success. I just wish state fans would just have a little more faith. Uh, well, I say I, I, since ten win people here. <laughs> I think I, I am absolutely jacked up about our defense. 
Yeah. The 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 backfield. I know I you know expressed some hesitation about that earlier, but I think our defense is going to be just phenomenal. If I'm Tony Gibson, I'm laying my head down at night and saying thank you um, for for this him being in this position. I mean, I think I sent it to Evan in the in the prediction. I mean, you know, if I'm Tony Gibson, I I just I whip it out and let it hang. Um, I mean, you know, he he's 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 got playmakers all over the field and you've got depth, you've got quality depth at every position and you know, I think this team can make Gibson look really really good. This defense can make him look really really good. Well, since um, we're talking about coaches, let's say worst case scenario. My worst case scenario is 8 and 4 and I feel like everybody's job is fine. I know state fans like to say Dave isn't the guy and, and all that stuff. Um, but if absolute worst-case scenario has to be Chance's prediction of 7-5, and five, I think somebody either gets fired or they're on the extra hot seat. Uh, is that in anybody's mind right now? First of all, let's, yeah, yeah. let's cool it down with saying the worst-case scenario <laughs> is 8-4. and four. I have us going 7-5, and five and I have us winning in Winston-Salem and Chestnut Hill. So before everybody starts saying worst-case scenario is 8-4, let's cool it down just a little. I think State's going to have a chance to be really good if they stay healthy, but come on, come on, Matt. You don't even believe worst-case scenario is 8-4. Everybody here knows yeah, worst-case worst case, worst case scenario is 8-4. I'm, I'm just saying, if we can go 8-4 with Bailey Hockman, okay, I, I, I can't express enough how bad of a quarterback he was. I mean, all-time bad, and we can go eight and four with with the slew of piss poor talent that was on that team in certain spots. Yeah, I'm I'm very comfortable saying worst case scenario eight and four. But going back to like what Will said a second ago, talking about like scheduling and stuff as well, I agree with that because last year going into the season, everybody's like, we got ten ACC games. What if we might only win three games, and then we go out and do that with Hockman, you know, and. I'm not as down on Hockman as Matt is. Um, he was serviceable in, in certain situations, but there's definitely a talent upgrade there. So yes, uh, if 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 State goes seven and five this year, chance you might be right, man. But uh, there's got to be some changes with with the, with the amount of talent. I don't I don't care if we were playing in the SEC West. You know, I'll say it. I don't give a damn. Uh, seven and five going in the SEC West, I'd be not happy. The the defense is something that I, I I'm not concerned about. I think the defensive line especially has got depth. So there are some comments in the chat about the defensive line, the three three five. I think they are going to they have enough offense or they have enough defensive linemen that the rotation is gonna be it's gonna be wild. I don't know who's gonna stand out. The picture the picture I put in the Wolfpack weekly last week with Josh Harris standing next to C.J. Clark, and then like C.J. Clark looked like a wide receiver. He looked so small compared to Josh Harris. It was wild, but I, I, that just kind of to me shows both of those guys are really good players, and they're gonna be really good players. And you know, like Will said, you couldn't imagine you couldn't even pull up who was the third defensive end half the time last year. And this time this year, you have you know Durden. They're gonna work on both sides, Dawkins, Jackson. You know all these other guys that are are going to make plays, and then you add that in the real pressure for a three three five defense comes from the linebackers, and our linebackers. I'm very Daniel Joseph. Thank you, Chat. Uh, I'm very confident in our linebackers. I think the linebackers are going the, the the pair of that defensive line and this linebacker these linebackers 
should <laughs> they should set up for success. NC State and, linebackers, the starting ones, should be the best linebackers in the ACC. And and if not number yeah. one, number two, and and it's real close. I don't think it's close. So, I don't think the no. I'm I'm yeah, saying if it, yeah. if they were two, right? But it, and, but they're if there were one, then yeah. I mean, can you guys think of a position where you cannot see us having a first team All ACC player? I mean, I, I see first team. I see a first team All ACC player on the O line, wide receiver. I mean, quarterback, you know, yeah, Sam Howell, okay, whatever. Uh, and DJU down at Clemson. Bam, at running back, you got, you know, countless options on the D-line for a first-teamer. You got countless options at linebacker and then maybe secondary. I mean, you got first-teamers, in, in my opinion. Tight end. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to let, uh, let Chance's buddy Dylan Parham get that one. Okay, so I'm a big fan of Porter Rooks. Zach, like that, a, was, a Zach that was totally uncalled for. I just wanted to say that was This very, is a safe space for chance. That was that was we need to keep some things need to stay in the chat and that was one of those things. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Um <laughs> I'm trying to dial it back. Uh, Porter Rooks. So I'm a big fan of Porter Rooks. I feel like I'm more of a fan of the player himself than what we saw on the field. I think he can get better. Is there any way that he steps up into that wide receiver two maybe um, if we're going to be optimistic? If we're being super optimistic, like what is his ceiling on this offense? Because I think Emeka is the the clear number one guy. Um, I think there's going to be kind of a fight for number two. I would put that as, as his ceiling. You think he's gonna take? You think he's gonna pass Thayer as number two? I just, I just love the talent in Porter Rooks. I, I, I like Thayer too. I'm just saying that I think that the ceiling for Porter Rooks is maybe just that much higher. Hold on, I'm gonna, I gotta take a pause. We'll come back to this one because I, I have some thoughts on it. We'll definitely not have a first teamer in the secondary. That's Nate in the chat. Anybody so he, 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 Tanner Engel? You tell me Tanner Engel's not first team caliber? I well, think there's some Engel I think Engel uh, Pitts and Fagan all have potential. Do I necessarily <laughs> think about, they will be? But do I think they have potential to be first team? Yes. What about Tyler Baker Williams? Yeah, Tyler yeah. Baker Williams should be. He's the guy that nobody is talking about. Yeah. Do, do they carve out for for Chance nickel or do, TBW or do they no. do they would they allow a nickel on there or are they going to kind of slot it as cornerback and safety i can't remember how they put the first team i think they just put them as dbs okay yeah yeah anyway so <laughs> i had a greek because i think you know t and there's a couple other guys i, I think battle is going to be in there he was third team last year if i'm not mistaken you know they these guys have potential and it's going to going to come down to a couple breaks so, yeah, Engel has zero career interceptions, Jason, but he is also the, one of the best run stoppers on this team. I think that's where he's going to thrive. I think if you look yeah, back at, like, Earl Wolf, it was the same thing. He didn't have a lot of interceptions. Earl Wolf had, you know, 15, 20 tackles a game. And I think you have Engel's very much in that, in that mold. I think uh, going back to Porter Rooks, one, Amezi's out right now with a nagging hamstring is what somebody had said. Will Rooks get in there? I imagine if Amezi is out for any sort of extended period of time, you're going to have 
Carter, Rooks, and Thayer Thomas in there. I think those would be your three. It, it kind of a weird, small-ish lineup for wide receivers, but I think that would be three. I think we're going to run four wides anyway, so that's how Porter Rooks gets on the field, even if Amezi is healthy. Yeah, didn't we have sets last year where Rooks and Thayer were on the field at the same time? Yeah, Rooks um, worked more on the outside in that case. Yeah, they'll find a way to put him in, in the field. and I mean, you just can't keep him off. I mean, the question's going to be, like, does Julian Gray, you know, get X amount of snaps a game? I mean, yeah. he's the one that everyone keeps saying looks like he's not – I mean, just looks like a, a proven wide receiver out there already. Um and that's someone that, you know, I remember Steve Williams was talking about him a lot in uh, in his recruitment as being someone that just everyone was sleeping on. Um, and, you know, he made the most of it in the spring game or whatever. So, I mean, if Amezzi's out and it shifts around, I, I bet you could see uh, Gray in there early. Um, everyone's not really focused much on Carter. I think Carter could have a big year if he can kind of keep um, the after play um drama down um i love his physicality just a few times last year he just took it a little too far but that's fine i think that whole team was on the edge all year and i guess i'll say this you know my 10 win prediction kind of rides on this team not having as much dumbass penalty making (laughs) as they did last year because i mean it just seemed like it was like they just told them to go out there and just be like you're gonna make up for potential talent issues by just being the most physical team in the ACC, you know, before, after, during the play. And, um, yeah. you know, that that's where I want to see us improve. I mean, I haven't seen Doran say anything much preseason about it, but I remember after spring he was saying it was just unacceptable. So I need to go back and look at the splits because I think Devin Carter – was much more effective with Devin Leary at quarterback for whatever reason. He didn't have that connection with Bailey Hockman. He sort of disappeared. Uh, <laughs> it's because he runs across. Every new was coming. was more effective. Well, I think uh, Carter, if I remember correctly, I mean, early on in, in Devin's career, he was a little bit more vertical. But I, if I remember when Leary was at the helm, he was uh, across the middle and in the intermediate routes a lot more which is the stuff where Bailey seemed to um, avoid uh, after the VT game. So that doesn't surprise me. I also wouldn't discount in the red zone C.J. Riley, which is someone that Leary seems to really like to target in the in the red zone. So, you know, I'm not as worried about tight ends this year. You know, some people are like, oh, you need a tight end for the red zone game. Um, Larry seems perfectly happy to go toss the ball at, at CJ or Devin or someone like that. So. What about Jordan Houston? I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't hear any chatter about him, and I think yeah, that's because be we're so good stacked. with the first two. But stacked in the I think Jordan Houston has has a shot to play some significant minutes. Um, we're just we're just deep. Yeah, I, I, yeah. That's it's going to be interesting how those split because I think you'll see Jordan Houston when we go four wide at times. I think you'll have three wide receivers and the work Jordan Houston and there probably some jet motions or screens or bubble, you know, bubbles or something like that. I, I don't know how they're going to use him, but he – I feel like he's too good to keep off the field. I think he's shifty. He's, he's explosive. He's, yeah, he's, he's very explosive. And it it's, feels like a matter of time before he breaks one of those. You know, last mm-hmm. year a couple times – he had gotten through the hole and maybe gotten shoestring tackled or you know somebody slapped his leg. I really, I really like Jordan Houston. Also like Trent Penix. I think I'm going to be interested to see how they use him, given 
that they only threw their six foot seven, soft buttery hands tight end, <laughs> Carrie Angeline twenty five balls last year. What is how do they work in Trent Penix? How do they work in Trent Penix, Chance? I, like I would love to see Penix almost like kind of a little flanker back. I think he has potential to add some depth back there. But I will say this about Jordan Houston. I'm just not on the Houston train. It's hard to me. I've got his stats pulled up right now. It's hard to me to describe him as explosive when in 2020 his longest run was 21 yards and his longest reception was 15 yards. I don't really see how you can describe somebody as explosive when they had one play more than 20 yards all season long. I know we were dealing with Bailey Hockman, blah, blah, blah. I I get that, but I, I just don't think it's fair to categorize somebody under that as explosive when that was their biggest play of the season. I, I do think that Penix has potential. I like Penix over Houston. Me personally, I think he could kind of be shifted into a quote-unquote tight end role, just kind of running some five and outs and simple routes like that, uh, or a little flanker back. I don't see him doing too much outside of that. I think we're going to stick to, you know, I think we're going to stick to five guys on the line, obviously, four guys out at receiver and two guys in the backfield. I, I, I think Bam's going to be RB1, obviously. And I think out wide, I mean, you're going to have Thayer, Rooks, Amezi, and then maybe, uh, you know, maybe a Chris Scott. I can't believe I just said that. But maybe a Chris <laughs> Scott, maybe an Ant Smith, maybe somebody like that that's a big downfield threat that has some speed. To be fair about Jordan Houston, I'm looking up his rushing attempts. Didn't get more than – Four, actually, yeah, four. Leading up to the bowl game after was that weeks four. Yeah, after week four, he didn't get one more than four. So two zero two two one four. Uh, first game of the season, he had twelve carries, fifty four yards. I mean, I just don't think there's enough volume there for him. Uh, but I, he's another player that I just feel like the ceiling is really high for him once he gets a couple of guys out of his way. Same thing with Porter Rook. Same thing with. Uh, McLaughlin like we have depth that's going to last us here for the next couple of years um, I do want to ask the guys that that picked us to go 10 and 2 who are the two losses or did you guys just automatically say 10 and 2 you didn't really look at wins losses uh, I, I said will. I, well I was just going to say I mean I just think it's really hard to pick them you can pick the obvious Clemson and then pick it UNC Miami Mississippi mm-hmm. State whatever um, I think performance in some games indicates performance in others. So I think if you got to win 10 games, I think you have to win the Mississippi State game and you can lose the Clemson game or vice versa. Or, you know, just something can happen. I don't know. It's just it's too tough. I don't know, Zach. Did you have, like, two in mind? Yeah. You, you have BC, right? I had uh, I had us losing the two in the middle at BC and at Miami. And I don't know why I didn't think of this, but and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Chance probably mostly you. Derek King, didn't he tear his ACL in the last game last year? Yeah, he had a gruesome injury. I changed he, my prediction. I would like to go on record right now. We're eleven and one. We oh, lose at oh, oh! We lose at BC, and that's that, it. That, so look, you now you're talking you've about UNC projection rankings. You've now got us in the ACC champ. If we're eleven and one and our loss is BC, that probably means we're in the ACC championship, unless BC oh, only loses one game. Oh, oh, sure, we, might be talk- we might be oh, talking. We might be talking about the top fifteen matchup undefeated when we play BC. I mean, it's going to be the game everyone's talking about. 
It's it's I'm, we're, we're I mean, college yeah, game the, day. Tom O'Brien game day yeah. is coming to Chestnut Hill. College game day at Chestnut Hill for BC and NC State. The Tom yeah. O'Brien Bowl. I, I hope you guys are right. <laughs> I, I genuinely hope that we are undefeated headed to Chestnut Hill in mid October. And I, you know, does B does BC have the balls chance to um, bring Tom O'Brien up there for a celebration if we're uh, both undefeated playing each other? I mean, Sniff. I. I can't imagine that Tom O'Brien would increase their attendance from 18,000 to 19,000. So I don't think that would be any publicity. So I think if you, if Tom O'Brien showed up at that game and it became public, he was doing so more state fans would travel to Chestnut Hill out of spite than there would be Boston college. fans. <laughs> I think a lot of Boston college fans might do the same. To be honest, it could be a packed house because yeah. they weren't happy with how he left either. A packed house out of hatred. Yeah, there we go. That's my that's my type of atmosphere. <laughs> I um I, I would say I think um the only thing that has me hesitant about that Miami game is that's enough time for Miami or for King to kind of recover because I think right we're playing him what like game five six in the schedule. Seven, I mean he's got I Al- yeah. Well, first off, he's got to survive Alabama, right? And then they've got at Mississippi State, CCSU. Who even knows what that is, right? Um, but they do have UNC right before us, which is advantageous. They don't have a bye or anything before they play us. They've got a big game. So, yeah, I think we catch them at the right time. I, I could just see it the same thing, right? He finally gets back in his groove right when he plays us. Um, you know, so that, I, I still think that could be a tough game. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'll be too busy signing autographs and getting NIL money at that point. <laughs> I do like that everybody on our schedule, all of our tough games have Clemson or Carolina before before us. I think that you know, that plays into our favor a little bit if you're if you're into the domino effect, if there's a heartbreaking loss or a beatdown. Well who was yeah. that last year saying that people the week after they played Clemson in like the last five years were Owen Jesus, you know? It's whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. It's just basically a, a proven stat. Clemson, everyone tries to give their best to beat Clemson, and then they get train wrecked by them. Because um, they were saying it right after the weight game, because we played them right after uh, right. they played Clemson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was looking at the preseason uh, rankings. I think it might have been the coaches' poll. Um, NC State, if I had my math right, was at that 35 range. And I'm sitting here thinking – it's just it's going to be one of those seasons where we have to do so much more in order to get ranked, but you have a team like Carolina, which we saw last year, so I'm not just making this up, but they can lose a game and only drop maybe one or two spots, or even, in their case, go up a spot. Didn't they go up like one or two spots after a loss? Well, um, that was – okay, I will just say that's driven by the college football playoff committee, and they were trying to rearrange teams to optimize bowl order – I mean, the, the worst thing about the college football playoff ranking is that it's not just by, like, a truly independent group. In mm-hmm. my opinion, you should just have the BCS computer system doing the rankings and just have it expanded from, you know, to four or in the future, eight, 12, whatever. Well, it seems like college basketball gets it, like, 99% right every single time. And it just seems like football just doesn't. And maybe that's just because of revenue or whatnot. But I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the games and, you know, let's say we're four and one going into the bye week. Let, let's just let's just say because it's a safe answer, we lose to Clemson. I think even if we beat Boston College and even if we beat Miami, I still 
see some type of argument from the committee or, or other fan bases saying there's not enough solid wins for us to be top 25. And if we are top 25, we're probably 25th, 24th or 25th. Um, yeah. It, I just don't see us racking up enough wins, big wins, uh, to put us in that top 15 range just because Florida State, Syracuse, Louisville, I feel like are all winnable games. It, so well, well, what I think what it comes down to is st- this is the year that state has to hang points on teams if they can. Um, it's fine to win close in a few of them, but you can't grind it out and get the the ten point win. It's not going to be sexy enough, um, especially if you're trying to dis you know say it comes down your records are very close and it's between you and North Carolina. They're going to give North Carolina more credit because of the hype around Sam Howell. That hype is generated mainly just because they hung tons of points. Yeah. in winnable games and you know that's just something dave's got to get out of his head you know it, it's not about just grinding your way and, and killing clock anymore some of that was probably because of the composition of the team and the talent they had around i mean there's no reason to do that when you've got this many good wide receivers you've got this many running backs that you can put in and save time you could put in a finley in there and let him go i mean he's going to be smart enough to play so i i just think Dave's got to understand that the only way you truly change the conversation is to be fun and people respect scoring points. If you go and hang 40, 50, 60 points at some point during the season and then you drop a bad loss, no one remembers it if you keep hanging up high scores. Well, eyes will be on you too. I I don't think that Dave is that type of coach. I don't think Dave is the type to go – dancing in the locker rooms like we see these Carolina coaches doing. I don't think Dave is the type of coach to get championship rings for beating Carolina teams or whatever the hell they did over in Carolina. Um, I don't. I just don't think that Dave is that type. So, sure, we might put up 30 or 40, but 50, I just don't think that Dave cares to do it. Because it's one thing to win, for sure, but it's another thing to win and look good doing it. I don't know if Dave really cares to look good. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would say Dave. Dave was lining up offensive linemen in the backfield when we beat ECU fifty-eight to three in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. So I, you know, I get what you're trying to say. I don't necessarily agree with it. I know he doesn't try to be flashy, and I know he doesn't try to wear Jordans like Mac Brown or whoever does it over in Chapel Hill. But. <laughs> But but still, I, I do think if he has the opportunity to do that, he will more so than we think. And I think going back to that ranking, if we're if we are sitting at six and one with wins over BC and Miami, like you said, I think a lot of it still boils down to if we lose that Clemson game, how you lose it. If we're six and one through seven games and we lose to Clemson by thirty five at home, then yeah, the committee has an argument as to why maybe we shouldn't be ranked. If we're six and one with a three point loss to Clemson at home, then, yeah, I do think that, you know, they're, they're, we should absolutely be ranked. I still, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point. Yeah, yeah I, I completely right. agree with that. I think, so, though, that it's more often than not, I know I've seen it personally in, in basketball, but I feel like State has to just do so much more because we're not, like, this name brand or whatever. But if we were to beat Boston College and beat Miami, I just see a lot of the committee saying, oh, well, that's just because, you know, Miami hasn't been good in a while. BC, you know, BC's never been, you know, a football school. So I just see a lot of downplaying when it comes to our wins. Um, that's but, marketing. To me, yes. that is it, yeah, marketing yes, yeah. perception. So Dave is not flashy. Dave's the hand in the dirt, whatever, go to work. But that is the problem, right? That That's the issue for me is that – 
you're not getting that attention, right? How did Oregon get all that attention? Score well, they put on they put on shiny clothes and they scored a lot of damn points, right? And they were fun, and that's where we have not been. And I think that's the disconnect I've always had with Dave, is that he needs to adjust. Now, we've seen that. We all know Salty Dave is the best Dave. When he gets pissed and he runs up to score on Scotty Montgomery, then you know that's the kind of Dave we want to see all the time, that ultra-aggressive get-it-done, because that is what people talk about. That is what gets people interested in. That's what the kids want to play for. They want to play in that offense. They want to play in those you know, aggressive defenses. That's And that's the where we've got to get better. I think they're kind of moving that way, but just too damn slow. Yeah, I I will say I I do like how Dave handles himself. I don't let me just go on the record. I don't want a coach dancing in the locker room and all that stuff. Uh, what he pulled with the ACC network doing the donut challenge thing, I gained so much more respect for Dave. I loved him for that. That's the type of coach I want to have. It's, you know, I'm not going to do tricks and and dance and and put on some nice shoes or whatever and call myself a coach, I'm going to go out there and work hard and prove you wrong and make you look like an idiot doing it. So um, I, I, yeah. I appreciate that from Dave. I like, I want to see, you know, and I know this is not the case with Dave. I think his on-camera personality is much different than his off-camera personality. And Chip said, like Ted Lasso, like somewhere in between Ted Lasso and somewhere in between somebody <laughs> else, you know. Dave Doran currently is probably. I watched that for the first time, by the way. That was a great show. It's the greatest show on TV. Fantastic. I'm two, I'm two episodes in. It's it's fun. Yeah. Last question I want to ask you while we're talking about this. Well, I'm going to give you two questions. First, Devin Leary goes back, goes down. Who's the who comes in? We we'll go around. Chance, who comes in? Who do you play? Thayer Thomas, uh, he is a proven quarterback Damn it. on our roster at position number two on the depth chart. In all seriousness, I think I think you give it to McLaughlin. I think McLaughlin's ceiling is a lot higher than Finley's is. I know that he hasn't had a lot of time in the system. I think he has a lot of potential. I think Finley is a safer, more maybe more consistent, but I would be anxious to see. If Leary goes down, we've got to go into a win-now mentality, keep fans happy, and possibly Dave Doran keep his job. And I think that McLawlin does more for you and has a higher ceiling and more potential. Matt Coe, who goes, who goes in? Uh, it's Ben Finley. Uh, he knows the system. He's proven that uh, in last year that he's a solid, serviceable quarterback. Now his leash is going to be tiny. I give him one at most two games before he messes up, and then fans are going to want um, McLaughlin out there. So Finley is my answer. Will, who goes in? Uh, I think Finley, I think if you play McLaughlin this year and it's not like short yardage or red zone, he's going to he's gonna turn the ball over a lot. He did not inspire me at all in the spring. Um, I know he's got a cannon. I know he can run, but Finley can run. Finley at least knows where the ball's supposed to go. He's got kind of an innate ability. So I would go with Finley um, since Thayer Thomas was – chosen before I got a chance. <laughs> Zach, who goes in? Who do you go with? You guys got to ask for the details. What game does he, are we talking about Leary going down at? Are we talking about South Florida? Are we talking about UNC? I mean, you know. Let's go halfway in, whoever Half- the sixth game is. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I 
deep down, you got to go with Finley. At least give it to him. He's he's earned it. Um, you got to go with him and, and let him ride it. You know, and like Matt and Will were saying, uh, no offense, Chance. Um, you know, you just you give him this, give him his opportunity, see what he can do. And if he can't, then you're you know you're right there with with Aaron. I think State's got enough weapons that at that point you roll with a game manager who's not going to turn it over, and that's why Finley makes sense. I wonder how much of the upside in McLaughlin they see, and is there any of remorse to not playing Leary earlier? Does that carry over? It's like, all right, we need to get this kid in the game because you know we probably won a couple extra games if Leary was in. I don't know. Can I can I make a, a point right here? I hear like a lot of people sure. talking about uh, you know Leary's Leary staying healthy and whatnot. You know, the, the injury that he had last year was pretty much of his own doing. Um, I yeah, get, you know, fluke. yeah, yeah, that's a fluke injury. And I mean, Leary took some shots. You know, I'm yeah. not, I, to be honest, I'm not really concerned about, you know, barring a freak in, another freak injury. Like, I mean, I think Leary, he, he's bulked up a little bit if you look at him in the pictures and stuff. I'm not really concerned about him, you know, uh, like, health-wise or, or anything like that because I, I think the kid can take a lick and get right back up and keep on chunking. You know, he's a big boy. Like, he's thick. If you look at some of the pictures now, uh, I, I just think he is he, – he's never shied away from contact. Yeah. I think the problem was his terrible slide. It was a terrible <laughs> form on his slide. I think we all know that. Even uh, my baseball guys here can confirm that. Like, that was an awful slide. Yeah, <laughs> Slide like Trey Turner did into in that Dodgers game. That was that was insanity, you know. But Leary's was like me when I was eight years old trying to slide. It just awful. It was yeah. just so uncoordinated. It didn't make any sense. My last question here, and I think this one. Let me give you two thoughts on this. If Chance is right, Dave goes seven and five. Is he the coach in twenty twenty two? Zach. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it do well. Let me let me. From a United NC State fandom front, I think overwhelmingly it's going to be no. Based on what the based on so far what I've seen from in the competence of our athletic director currently, yes, he'll probably give him a lifetime effing <laughs> contract. So uh, you know, I, I don't want to stir that pot too much, but I am. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. It, Matt Coe, yeah. seven and five. Uh, I do think he'll be here just because of the amount of talent that he's gotten into the NFL. Things is solid enough coach, but if he were to go seven and five, I'd give him one more season. And after that, I don't really think it matters. He'd be out. Will, seven and five. Keeping Dave? Uh, yeah, I mean, if they're healthy in seven and five, no, he's gone. And the reason I say that is there's going to be so much talent graduating this year that's going to go NFL bound that I'd rather just give another coach an opportunity to get a reset year. Yeah. Chance, seven and five, you keeping Dave? It all depends on how we get there. Um, I, you know, I think that isn't necessarily what my answer would be if I was the AD, but I think that's what Boo and his team's answer would be. It depends on how we get there. It depends on what our wins are. Depends on, you know, how Dave feels going in next year and how Boo feels going in next year. I know the schedule is a lot easier next year. I will say this, that I think a lot more people in Wolfpack Nation are confident in Dave than necessarily we are for this main reason. And we've talked about this in the pod chat before. I don't think the hashtag pod army and the 
five people sitting here in this discussion necessarily represent states fan base quite as well as we think we do i think we're all pretty much football first people and basketball is the second fiddle no matter what i think we all want the football program to be successful before the basketball program if that makes sense i don't think that represents a large portion of our fan base i think a large percentage want basketball to get back to what basketball once was and for football not to be an embarrassment is that necessarily what i think no it's not but you could argue dave has been the most successful coach in the history of this program at least since dick sheridan and as a result of that i think more fans especially your older people who have more of a disposable income who might donate more and even guys like Wendell Murphy I think they possibly even just want a coach that isn't embarrassing you on the football field and want more funds to go to basketball is that how I feel no not necessarily but I think a lot of state fans do if you get blown out by Carolina does that change your opinion yes I think it changes mine and I think it changes a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I, I agree you know what I if they're healthy and they go seven and five, then I I would be disappointed if they if they kept them, right? I think at some point you have to have a standard where this is clearly your best team. We've talked about this ad nauseum. If this is your best team and you, seven and five is the best you can do, I don't want to hear the excuses of hey your the schedule's tough and this and that and the other. I just I, I just don't think so. I mean I, I think you. Can, I don't know what will happen, but for me, I think you have to set that precedent. And I've I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, you know, we might go seven and five with you know it's a tough schedule." And I feel like that's just such a cop out. This is your best team. You've got all the talent. Everything is lined up. Yeah, Zach died. We see a ceiling fan. <laughs> Everything is lined up, and you just can't do that. You can't go seven and five. You want to be a real football program. At, at some point, you got to draw a line in the sand and say this is not good enough. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that that that's my that would be my take on it. I, I don't think that he would get fired because I don't know if Boo has that level of spine at the moment, even though he is supposed to be a football first guy, right? I mean, I think that's that would be my guess. I'm gonna go around one more time. Any other comments before we we sign off here? Chance. Picked up a couple baseball commits this week. Flipped a catcher from Old Dominion. Picked up a guy while we were on the podcast. So shout out to that. He's a class 2023 guy. So uh, I shut up Will telling to mute me in the chat. Uh, And I'm also, shout out to Trey Turner. He's putting together an NL MVP type season. I'm heartbroken for Carlos Rodon, who got put on the IR today. He's supposed to pitch the Field of Dreams game against the Yankees in Iowa tomorrow. And he is a Cy Young, currently in the top three with his own teammate, Lance Lynn, with the White Sox. So, yeah, shout out. What happened? Uh, I don't know. They didn't say that. just said they placed him on the IR. That's really upsetting. Um, I I haven't read too much into it. I hope he's back for the playoffs. The White Sox have had a really good year. So, yep, there's my shameless baseball plug. Anything else, gentlemen? Matt Coe, what you got? Uh, We are 22 days away from the season. I'm super excited, so tomorrow will be three weeks. And we are 90 days away from college basketball, so I am ready to be hurt again by the dumpster fire that is our basketball program. But I still love them. Will, what you got? Just want to say the only basketball game I'm paying attention to on November 9th is the women's game against South Carolina. I don't care about the men's game. (laughs) Just going ahead and (laughs) playing that. 
This is a woman. This not is a wrong. Woman's bas- this square right here in Riverside, whatever this app is called, this square is a women's basketball square. Jeez. Well, I can't follow that up. Damn. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good, Evan. <laughs> Zach, what you got? Leary's throwing for four thousand. Thayer's catching a thousand. Amezzi's catching a thousand. Ricky's going over a thousand. Bam's going over a thousand. Peyton's winning the Nagurski Award, and we're going to the college football playoff. And Sam Howell will still win Heisman. Somehow, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, guys, this is really good. I hope people like to listen to it. I'm excited about the season. We'll try to do it again later on. I just, I'm amped. I'm ready, man. 21 days. I'm not counting today anymore, Matt. 21 days. Football starts. South Florida, Thursday night. That is going to be wild. And I cannot absolutely wait. But anyway, always thanks for listening, folks. Go Pack. Go Pack. Go Pack. I was raised by the way